Ker Avelt Hind. That's what the Lubavitcher Rebbe said. And it means upend the world today. And we can do that by someone doing something for God. The entire world is currently dictated by its animalistic passions. But one act can change all that. And we'll have a world that's dictated by its godly passions of the godly soul, which each and every one of us has. May the act that turns the world right side up happen today. This is Rabbi Shmuel Y. Pollen, and I want to welcome you to part two of our Sukkot edition. If you're only tuning into this episode, let me bring you up to speed. Sukkot is a holiday that we're celebrating right now. It lasts eight days. We eat and drink and sleep and play poker in huts called sukkahs. They are square. They require two walls and one hand's breadth of a wall. That is one of the customs of the holiday. Another custom is we bring together a willow, myrtle, citron, and palm branch representing all the people of the world and we bring them together and shake them and we symbolize world peace by doing this and we actually affect world peace by doing this. Another custom of the holiday only took place at the time of the Holy Temple. At the Holy Temple, they would draw water from the Gihon Spring, which is in the city of David, and they would bring it to the holy temple and pour it on the altar. And the celebration surrounding this, it is said in the Talmud, if you've never seen the happiness around the Simchas Beis Shoeba, the drawing of the water, you have never seen happiness in your entire life. We discussed the idea of essence and purpose. Essence is what the thing is. Like there's a gumball machine in my house right now. But it doesn't work. So it has the essence, but it doesn't have the purpose. It's not fulfilling its purpose as a gumball machine. The gumballs are too big for it to be going through the chute. So it has an essence. We love the gumball machine. And just like we love our bodies, but if we don't give our bodies proper maintenance, they're not fulfilling their purpose. Same thing with a wellspring. The wellspring is wonderful and it's loved by God. But if the wellspring does not shoot out horizontally and vertically to become a river, it's not fulfilling its purpose. And we are the human race. God loves us all just the way we are. Whether we're doing holy things, whether we're not doing holy things. But we're not fulfilling our purpose if we're not making a home for God in this world. A world that He would be comfortable moving into. A world filled with prayer. A world, a world filled with Torah study. A world filled with kindness. That is our purpose. And Sukkot is a time of both essence and purpose. But especially essence. Because we bring the water from the Gihon Spring all the way to the Holy Temple, and we pour that water onto the altar. Now, what kind of offering is water? Normally, it's wine, but we all know that we have wine tastings, and there are some wines that are better than other wines, and some people like one wine, and some people like another wine, and you can have completely different tastes. But water is the same. Everyone wants it when they need it. So the offering is of water, an offering that includes absolutely everyone, an offering that brings out the essence, the essential connection that we have with each other and with God, unlike the wine. That's review, and here's what's new. According to Rashi, who is one of the greatest sages, the commentary on Talmud and on Tanakh, Torah and the prophets and the writings, he wrote a commentary on all of it. And he says that the Nasi, 
the leader, the master of the generation, Rabbi Shimon ben Gamliel, juggled burning torches. Some of the rabbis did four, some of the rabbis did eight. But with the Gadol Hador, the leader of the generation, from the house of David, he used to juggle eight torches for hours, and not one dropped, and not one touched the other. Reb Levi, one of the greatest sages, used to juggle eight knives in front of Reb Yehuda Hanasik, Shmuel. My name is Shmuel, and I juggle a bit. But Shmuel, of the Talmud of the 4th century, juggled four bottles of wine, and never did a drop spill from any of them. In real life, everyone is a juggler. If you don't know how to juggle, you can't master the art of living. For instance, Sukkot is a holiday of essence. We bring together all the plants. We bring everybody together in the sukkah. And yet, these are all things that we do. These are all purpose things. We have to, with our sweat and tears, build the sukkah. We have to build the lulav, which is all the plants. They're doing things, but they're also essence. So what should we be thinking about? Should we be thinking about the essence or the purpose? The answer is you have to juggle. You have to be able to juggle. You also have marriage, work, spiritual life, parents, siblings, community. Don't be worried when you feel like you're juggling too many balls. This is your purpose. This is the essence of joy. Enjoy it. Enjoy juggling the soccer practice and the meeting with your boss. Enjoy it. If you can enjoy juggling, or if you can enjoy watching juggling, you can enjoy this. It's all a matter of perspective. Think of it in the way of joy. There's a certain rhythm to juggling. There should be a certain rhythm to what you do. When one ball is coming down, the other one's coming up already. Move flawlessly from thing to thing. The most important part is that you enjoy yourself. There's two types of people in this world. There's those who listen to AM radio, and there's those who listen to FM radio. Those who listen to AM radio feel the world's always coming to an end. With Trump, with Biden, with Hillary, with Obama, with impeachment, the world's always coming to an end. Then there's the FMers. They are living in a different world. They are aloof. They are the essence. Everything is fine by them. But he's detached from the world. So the essence and the purpose need to connect. The one who listens to FM has to have some idea of what's going on in the AM. And the one who listens to AM has to have some idea of what's going on in the other worlds. How much things could be better. The giants of Judaism, who spent all their time learning Torah and contributing to the Talmud, found it worthy to spend time to learn how to juggle. Don't get entangled by any one thing, because by the time you're done with one ball, the next ball is coming. In other cultures, they call it downtime. In Yiddishkeit, in Judaism, we call it uptime. We have times to go up. We have times of prayer each morning, each afternoon, and each evening. And you should too. Then we descend into the day. The world should shut down in the morning. And you should focus only on God. Then you bring God down to the experiences of the nether world. You are supposed to find God there as well. The purpose is to make a home for God in this world. So it won't happen through prayer. It will happen through realizing that everything that happens in this world is coming from God as well. The Torah wasn't created for heaven. This was a dispute that they had with the angels. And God ruled that the Torah is for those who have problems with stealing, who have problems with illicit relationships, who have problems with eating meat that's not slaughtered properly, who have problems with not eating kosher. To them, 
down there. That is where you need to find God. You can't be only aloof, but if you don't pray in the morning, you won't remember to find God in the afternoon. So you must be an FM person in the morning and an AM person the rest of the day. Obviously, I don't mean that literally. But we stop. We stop and pray again in the afternoon. And this is considered the most holy prayer. When Eliyahu, Elijah, fought with those adherents of Baal, the idol worshiper, he said, let's make a test. Let's make a carbon. Let's make a sacrifice and see whose sacrifice God takes in fire. And so they set up. Eliyahu set up. Worshippers of Baal set up. And they both prayed and prayed and prayed to their respective gods. And Eliyahu couldn't understand why it was taking so long for God to lick up these sacrifices. And then it took all the way until the afternoon. And then God licked up Eliyahu's sacrifice. They all prayed through the morning, through the noon. And it was only in the late afternoon that Elijah was answered and the fire came down to lick up the sacrifices of Elijah. And nothing licked up the sacrifices of Baal, and the adherents of Baal were later slaughtered. Gabi Holtzberg, an innocent, and his wife, Rivka Holtzberg, were killed in Mumbai, India, by terrorists. They came to a man in a dream after they had died, and they asked them, what should we know that we don't know from heaven? And he said, I don't understand why you don't run to Mincha, to the afternoon prayers to the prayers we say in the middle of our work. We should all just interrupt one minute in the midst of our work for God because that is when the prayers were answered by Elijah and that's when the prayers will be answered for you. You have to know the tricks of the trade and this is one of the tricks. The mincha prayer, the afternoon prayer is the one that is most effective. Juggling is an up and down motion. We are going up closer to God and then we are bringing down God's light into this world. We are making it affect our interactions. We're making it affect the way we actually live. If we don't bring it down, then going up was wasted. The Baal Shem Tov, one of the holiest men who ever lived, the founder of Hasidic Judaism, built for all purposes what I will call, to put it mildly, a crappy sukkah. A sukkah that was riddled with holes. A sukkah whose covering wasn't covering quite enough. A sukkah whose walls were about to fall down. He built a sukkah like this. And the rabbis came to check it out. And they said it's a puzzle sukkah. The sukkah is no good. You can't use it. The Baal Shem Tov came out and said it's a kosher sukkah. And they had this debate. Until a note came from heaven. Which landed in the Baal Shem Tov's hands. And it said that this is a kosher sukkah. This, this sukkah is good. The rabbis said, if you get notes like this, we're not going to argue with it. The note healed people for 10 years. People never died for 10 years. And then one day, it stopped working. And the Baal Shem Tov said, I guess people aren't meant to live forever. The question is, what was going on? Why did the Baal Shem Tov build a sukkah like this? There's a mitzvah, there's a commandment to do a hider mitzvah, to make the mitzvah, the commandment, beautiful. And he didn't fulfill on that commandment. The answer is, he built that sukkah for every single one of us. Every one of us has holes. Everyone has feelings. Everyone has lost their boundaries at times. Everyone has abuse. 
Sometimes more literally, sometimes more spiritually. Sometimes our walls feel like they're crumbling down. This was a sukkah for everyone. Everyone could be comfortable in that sukkah, in the warm arms of the Baal Shem Tov, and the Lord, may he be blessed. Everybody's told, just like that sukkah was told, that they're no good. The Holy Messiah, the one we're waiting for right now for so many years, when he rides in, he's going to ride in on a donkey. What could be more lowly than a donkey? But the Messiah recognizes our suffering. He realizes how late he is. The Messiah feels our pain. And that's why he rides in on a donkey. Because he's with us when we are down. He understands our pain. It says in the Talmud that it appears like someone who lives in Israel has a God and one who does not live in Israel has no God. The Baal Shem Tov, who we just spoke about, interprets these lines because it seems like everyone living outside of Israel has no God. And that's a terrible thing. He said, it only appears that he doesn't have a God. It's actually the exact opposite of what you would think. Someone who's in Israel thinks he has spiritual perfection. But someone who's outside of Israel knows he's open to growth. So who's on a higher level? Everything they juggled had a meaning to it. The one who juggled knives shows you how to juggle confrontation. One juggled eggs. Eggs represent grief. How to juggle that. Wine represents joy. How to juggle that. One juggled torches of fire. That represents animalistic passions. This is in Tehillim, in Psalms. It says, Anna Hashem ki ani abdecha, Which could mean, Please Hashem, I am your servant. But the Friedrich Rebbe, who passed away in 1950, the Lubavitcher Rebbe's father-in-law and mentor, he said, no, it's Aleph Nun Hey. It's where, Hashem, I am your servant. Tell me where to go. You want me to go here? I'll be there. I'll serve you. You want me to go there? I'm there. I'll serve you. But I am on the vine the entire time. I'm connected to God the entire time. Nothing can tear me away from Him. Even my work, even my kids, even my wife. They're not only going to not tear me away from Him, my relationship with God is going to flourish because of them. Because I'm going to treat them the way God wants me to treat them. I'm going to be an example for them of how you're supposed to live. He is happy going out. He is happy coming back in. Now if somebody is happy to leave, he's usually not happy to come back. But in this case, we need to be like an Esrug. We need to be on the vine from season to season. Being away and being back is just juggling. It's just serving God in different ways and it can be the most joyous thing that you've ever experienced. Just like the juggling was. The ball goes up, the ball goes down. That's why it was the greatest joy that anyone has ever seen. Because it encompassed all of life and taught you how to juggle it for God. Two Hasidim, two Hasidic followers were once arrested in Tsarist Russia. And they didn't give them much amenities. They didn't give them a toilet. They gave them a pail. A pail which they had to use. And one of them starts crying. And his fellow came to him and said, why are you crying? He says, why not cry? He says, I can't say God's name in here. I can't learn Torah in here. I can't pray in here because of the smell. Reb Zushia was, was the name of one of the rabbis. Said, no, but really, why are you crying? 
He said, well, this is the first time I won't be able to pray in its proper time. The first time in my life. So Zushya says, so you won't daven. There's a first time for everything. He says, no, if I don't daven, I don't have a connection to Hashem. I don't have a connection to God. I'm detached. I'm fragmented. I'm not whole. Rabbi Zushya says, hold on a second. What are you talking about? You connect to Hashem by doing His will. And His will is that we be here today with this awful smell and not davening and not praying and not connecting to God the way we used to. The code of Jewish law says that you're not supposed to daven. So you are just following the code of Jewish law. One part of it that you never fulfilled before. You're doing God's will by not davening, by not praying. Think God is not here because there's a garbage can? The same God you connected to at the highest levels is right here, right now. It's the same God that you're connecting with by not davening. So they start smiling about it. They start really smiling about it. And since they're Hasidic Jews, they start dancing about it. The soldiers saw them having such a good time, so they joined in and they're doing their kazaskas. So the warden comes down and sees this freilach, this happy, joyous occasion happening, and he's very angry. He says, he says to himself, jail is not to enjoy, jail is to break people. So he comes down, he says, I want to know who's responsible for this. And they, of course, point to the two Jews. And they say, what's going on over here? Why are you dancing and celebrating? They said, well, it's, about, it's all about that bucket full of feces over in the corner. That's why we're dancing, because we found one relationship with God before the bucket, then we found another relationship with God after the bucket, and we're celebrating this new relationship. The warden says, I'll show you. He takes the bucket and throws it out. And one chassid, one Hasidic Jew, turns to the other and says, now we can daven. Now we can pray. That's not just a story, there's meaning to the story. And it means, no matter where you are, no matter where you go, you are always in God's embrace. You always have the essence. And you can connect to God from there. If you're going through divorce, if you're going through sickness, if you're going through financial difficulties, you can pray to God from there and He will hear you. Sometimes God wants your beautiful prayers. And then sometimes God wants your broken prayers. But He just wants your prayers. In the Holy of Holies, there were two types of tablets. There were the full tablets with the Ten Commandments, and then there were the broken tablets that Moses broke. They both belong in the Holy of Holies. Each one of us is like the Esarug, like the Citron. We can grow from every extreme, from brokenness, from winter, to beautiful situations in summer. Just ask yourself one question. How can I grow from this? How can I be like a Citron? How can I get stronger? How can I become more loving? May we all be like Esarugs this year. May we all learn how to juggle this year. May we learn how to go up and down, and back up and back down, all in the process of making this world a home for God, even though it seems so far away from it. May we go from strength to strength, and just get stronger and stronger like the Esrug, until we reach the days of Mashiach Tzidkenu, the Messiah, the Righteous One. May He greet us immediately, over and out.